this content factory we call The Rich Eisen Show. This is The Rich Eisen Show. And if you don't have a, a sense of excitement about this, I don't know what you're here for. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. Can't tell you enough how much I love your show. Live. Boom, boom. From the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Earlier on the show, NFL Network analytics expert Cynthia Freeland. Basketball Hall of Famer James Worthy. ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler. Coming up, actor Kevin Connolly. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Lee, filling in for Rich. Thank you again, Rich, and everybody here at the Rich Eisen Show for this wonderful opportunity twice this week. Hopefully, uh, be able to do it more in the future. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this, and and this is what makes it so cool: is that you get to bring you know friends of yours on the show uh, uh, to tell some stories, and so. Um, I asked my buddy Kevin Connolly if he would jump on the show, talk to us a little bit about you know his entourage days, uh, as well as uh, what he's doing now. So let's bring him to the show right now. Actor, uh, uh, podcast network owner, um, whatever you want to call him. Dolphins fan and hockey aficionado, Mr. Kevin Connolly. What's up, buddy? How are you? Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Good morning to you. Good morning. So um, I was telling the guys here about the Victory Podcast. This was something you kind of came up with. You started a company called Action Park Media. And right. in the process, Doug Allen and Kevin Dillon and you, you know, decided to to put together, you know, you know, Entourage was such a, a huge show uh, in the mainstream for so long. And to kind of bring it back in the eyes of the fans through episodic post uh, podcasts. Tell us about that show and, and what you're doing with it right now. Well, you know, it, it's funny because we're, we're all, you know, a little, little bit older. So we're kind of from a, a different generation. So just having, trying to make Kevin Dillon understand what a podcast is was, <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> was interesting in itself. And I think that, you know, I, I mean, I had been, been doing it for a while but when i approached doug and kevin about doing it it's just sort of like well what is what is it what is it exactly does it entail so at first it just kind of started out as us having fun but it's, it's become real nostalgic and you know time flies by so fast that you blink your eyes and you go man you know it was 15 years ago that we shot that episode so it really is sort of like podcast dvd commentary you know we go back we talk about what we remember uh, filming this episode or, or, or that episode, which is also funny because what time does. Everybody has a different memory of certain stories, you know. But um, we really have had a, had a blast, and it, it's, it's just kind of exploded. Uh, and now we're kind of branching out, you know, doing interviews. We had Charlie Sheen on the other day, which was, uh, which was pretty wild. But we're, we're, we're still having fun, and as long as you're having fun doing it, that's uh, that's the way to, to keep it going because you could burn out on these things, you know. So you know, most of our our viewers and, and listeners were huge fans of the show. Kind of just take us back to what what the beginning of that was like and how quickly it escalated into this you know this mainstream phenomenon and where you couldn't you know walk down the street in L.A. without you know it was and you filmed in L.A. too, which was crazy all over the place. Just kind of tell us about what that was like to be a part of. 
and also, too, remember, this goes back to pre-social media, right? So there was no, you know, Instagram and the Twitters of the world were just getting started. Uh, there was no TMZ. Uh, you know, if, uh, you know, somebody wrote a story about you, it was in the National Enquirer, you know? So right. we were, you know, we were, we were like a little, the little engine uh, that could. We, we started out as a small show, but at the end of the day, we had the, you know, 5,000-pound gorilla, which is HBO, behind us. Uh, and, and, you know, they hung in there with us and, and the show caught on. And, uh, you know, you mentioned LA, you know, uh, LA became uh, in the Hollywood area became, uh, sort of the sixth character almost for lack of a, a better term you know, people will watch the show and be like, Oh my God, I eat there. And people would come to LA and visit. And, you know, we really put earth cafe on the map too bad. We didn't have a little piece of that restaurant you know yeah for sure yeah i think the, like the opening scene uh of of the show i was was an i went now well, that I, was at fred siegel's that okay was at fred siegel's okay. uh, over on melrose over there well know? i told so. you this i told you this the other day since you know having met you uh, about a year ago and and i went back during the pandemic and rewatched it and i told the guys on wednesday when we were gonna have you on that I, i've rewatched it and uh um, as a 45-year-old man now, I, I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, th- these, these, these individuals aren't, aren't the greatest of people and aren't telling the, the, the best stories. In fact, Kevin Connolly's character is probably the lead in this show now with the moral compass of all this. I mean, as, a, as an adult and about to be dad, when you see old episodes and sometimes, what do you, what do you look at? Is it just fun? Or you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if that was the best, best uh, you know, tutelage for young, young adults or not. For sure. I mean, we, you know, we, you know, we look back at, and as we're rewatching these episodes before we cover them on the podcast, there are these, you know, cringeworthy moments where Kevin and I always have the, the benefit of being able to blame Doug because you know, <laughs> he Doug wrote it. the writer and the creator and did all this kind of stuff. But, you know, you know, the, you know, Doug will always say that the truth is that at the time, you know, if you look at a character like Ari Gold, you know, he, he would lose his job in, in 30 seconds for behaving that way in, in, uh, in an office setting. But 15 years ago, that's what it was. And there, you know, endless uh, examples of that, you know, and that's why it would be just different today. And when people would say, well, how would you reboot that show? And would it look different? And the answer is, well, of course it would right. look different because it's a different world. Yeah, you know, um, you know, but but it, it is true. You kind of look back on it, and, and there are some super uh, super cringe worthy moments. But <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to uh, you know, it, it's a bit of a, a time capsule, and that was sort of the time. So you really can't live in in, in the regret. And uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely things that wouldn't fly. <laughs> but it, it's funny to your point, also, Ryan. You know, I was. You know, when the show aired initially, like, I was like, oh, this guy's the party. You know, my character was the party pooper, and I was all these things, and I was always killing a good time. And now looking back all these years later, it's like, what a great guy uh, he was, you know? Yep. When on the first run, I was the guy that uh, nobody wanted to invite <laughs> to the party. So uh, it's funny, you know, the dynamics shift. and uh, But, um, you know, it's also, too, the, the pandemic has just sort of brought in a whole new uh, audience. I mean, I... You know, I have young cousins, and these people are like watching it. And I'm thinking, wow, you were five right. when the show yeah. <laughs> when the show aired, and now you've seen every episode. So, um, you know, I think HBO Max has given it some new life, and uh, 
Yeah, man, it's it's fun taking the trip down down memory road. Plus, it's at Action Park Media, so finally I get to be Doug's boss and boss him around. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, we're, we're talking to Kevin Connolly, actor and director, uh, owner of Action Park Media. Tell us a little bit about that podcasting network, uh, uh, kind of incubator you're, you're running and, and what, it, what it means and all, and all the great things you're doing. Yeah, you know, like you said, it's the, the it's a, it's an incubator for sort of ideas, and you know, um, for the, you know, victory is tricky because the uh, the ultimate underlying rights are owned by HBO, so there's not really much room for to take it out out of the podcast space there. But you know, you do these you know you do these podcasts nowadays, they turn into uh, a, a Netflix docu series, and then they become a TV show, you know, and that's really. That's really the the goal, you know. You, you do a cool podcast, and it could become a movie, a show, a documentary. There's, it, the sky's the limit, and it, and it really is sort of a new medium where people are are tapping into to get to get content, which is what uh, people need with all these new outlets. Uh, this this um, day has brought a couple blockbuster trades, and. You being from Long Island, most people would think you were a Jets or a Giants fan, but no, you, you, you became a Dolphins fan over time, and they were a part of these big trades. I don't know if you noticed or, or heard about it yet, but they, they moved out of the number three spot, so it looks like they're going to stick with Tua. How did you like him in his first year, and, and what are you expecting from your Dolphins in, in, in year two under Tua? Uh, well... <laughs> You know, Ryan, you you were uh, you were the first guy to to put that in my head that you've been. I think you've been outspoken about Tua. Now, you know, you don't think that he's necessarily the guy. You got to understand for Dolphins fans to finally have this guy. I mean, it's great. I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, it feels like they have the the confidence in him. And the, but most notably about the Dolphins, what what has become apparent over the over the last few years is that people really like playing for this coach. You know, I mean, they just like him. They they go the extra mile for him. Um, I I don't know. I like I like I like things. I like the Dolphins uh, this year. I mean, you know, Buffalo's tough, but um, I like that they held on to Tua. And and who who are the Dolphins going to pick up? What what's it looking like? What's the prediction? I trust you. You're my go-to football guy. Well, I I think they they get the they get the number six overall after a swap with the Eagles. So that puts them in prime territory for Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU, or Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. So I think they're going to go after a big time wide receiver class guy, and that, that's going to be super. Helpful. I mean, if they reunite Devontae Smith with with Tua. I think that would be pretty fun. I have a, I have a question for you though. How does a uh, kid from right. Long Island? New York become a Dolphins fan? Oh, I have a theory. So, you know, you're, my dad, you're supposed to be a Jets fan. I, that's the other thing, too. Like, they, they, when you're from Long Island, they try to tell you what your teams are supposed to be, right? You're supposed to be Mets, Jets, or Yankees, Giants, right? There's, and if you're from Long Island, you're supposed to be Mets, Jets. I'm a Yankee Dolphin fan. Now, my brother, uh, I have an older brother, you know, he's seven years older than me. We had bunk beds. He was a Dolphins fan. In hindsight, I think he just wanted to have a, a problem with my dad. But that's the only thing I could make sense out of. And, and believe me, every year on the first day of the regular season, I call my brother and say, how could you do this to us? But the flip side is, if I were a Jets fan, <laughs> I wouldn't be much happier. Right? No. I mean, it's, uh, no, you wouldn't. It's six of one, half dozen of another, and... and um, yeah, so but I, I like him. I like him this year. So we'll see. This could be this could be the year. And also too, I don't jump teams. 
Right. But better or worse, I mean, I had a lot of tough years as an Islander fan. They're, You're loyal. They win the cup this year. You're loyal in the face of yeah, everything. I don't, I, don't, I don't switch teams. Okay. So, so you know, of course, I've, I've followed you for years, you know, from Rocky to, to the notebook, uh, all, <laughs> all, of these, all, all of these things. But what really kind of put you on my map is when uh, I watched a 30 for 30 that you did. Uh, on the the crazy story about the owner of the Islanders and how how it came about and everything that played into that, can you can you fill our listeners in a little bit about this story and how this this uh, this documentary came to be? Yeah, so yeah, we you know it was a thirty for thirty. It was called Big Shot, and um, you know, listen, I don't think it's any secret. Hockey, you know, at times is not something that everybody uh, wants to talk about on sports radio or, or whatever it is. You know, it's. Uh, it, it, you know, ESPN had, had only done one other hockey 30 for 30, and that was called King's Ransom about the Gretzky trade. But this really was a, 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 a business story with a, with a hockey background. And it's about a guy that um, essentially in the, in the days of, you know, the early 90s with the banks just giving away money, it's about a guy who, with a fake fax, borrowed $85 million dollars from Fleet Bank of Boston and purchased the New York Islanders, and he somehow slipped through the cracks because he ran in the right circles. Now, this story changed the vetting process for all the sports. It happened to happen uh, in hockey, but it changed the way they vet every owner. And um, this guy actually was in the driver's seat of a team for four months and it finally, one day, somebody turned around and said, wait, who is this guy? <laughs> and then, you know, they threw him in jail. But, but it's funny. This guy takes over. He fired the coach. He traded a couple guys. He's flying around on the team plane, and he has zero dollars to his name. And, um, you know, but he said, you know, uh, you know, it was the best four months of his life. You know, so it was a pretty wild story. Um, he's quite a character, and, and the ironic thing is that he ended up back in jail when the movie came out, which, you know, obviously wasn't my intention. But, um, yeah, he's just a, a professional con man, and, uh, you know, the fake it till you make it, um, he mastered that. So it's pretty cool, and like I said, I would always tell people, you don't have to be a hockey fan to enjoy that one. Go watch it because it's really cool. No, I, I recommend it to anybody out there who are fans of those types of documentaries, 30 for 30s, ESPN. It's great. So you and I were talking yesterday, uh, uh, you know, when I was making the turn and you were about to set off in that cold, cold-ass weather we played in yesterday morning um, uh, about knowing TJ Jefferson and uh, a little story you guys had. So I'm going to I'm gonna pass it <laughs> off to TJ here and you guys can have a little conversation, all right? Kev, oh, Kev, what up? DJ, what's up, man? I, you know, every, I think I think about it often. Do you want to take the lead? Well, you, well, you take the lead on this. All right, I'll take the lead on this. So Kevin and I, you know, this happened back, I believe it was 2007. Whoa. And, yeah, so this was a long yeah. time ago. And, you know, as I've told Kevin throughout the years, we don't see each other often, but, you know, it's always like mad respect and love when I do see him. And I was kind of living in an entourage situation myself where I was Ashton Kutcher's roommate and so it was hard for me to like my friends back in Pittsburgh for me to try to explain to them what life it turned into out here until Entourage came on and I was like you see this this is kind of what's going on out here but in this particular day man it was uh there was a club called Area in Los Angeles down on La Cienega and so the story goes and I'm, I'm going to cut some of this out because you know we'll save that for another time but Ashton calls me and he's like what are you doing I happen to be by the Beverly Center this night 
told him where I was. He goes, well, we're going to area. And I'm like, cool. I'm right down the street. So me being cheap, I didn't want to valet this car. Now, I have to tell you guys this. This car I was in was Wilmer Valderrama's Escalade. If you've ever seen Punk, the Punk episode where his car got destroyed, I was in this car. I borrowed it because my car had broken down and Wilmer was out of town. So I borrow his Escalade and instead of going to park valet, I decide right next to trashy lingerie on La Cienega was this street light. It was the brightest street light I've ever seen in my life. Like the sun didn't shine as bright as this. Lots of neon over there. And also too, TJ, give yourself a little credit. If you can find a spot, on the street and avoid the valet at a club like that. Yeah. It's a better place. On a Thursday okay. night. You know, so right. I, I park right next to Trashy Lingerie under this Great bright spot. street Great light. Spot. Great spot. So we go to the area. Then uh, let's just say we went to another club and we went to right. this other club for a while. And on the way back, Ashton had a car. So he's driving us and Kevin goes, hey, there's a party in the hills. Do you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I said, I'll drive. So Ashton's car drops us off at Wilmer's car. And Kevin and I go to the car, and I hit the alarm to unlock it, okay? And I opened up the door. And when I tell you that, you know sometimes you stare at something, and whatever you're staring at is pretty obvious. Like, I'm staring at Mike Del Tuva right now. <laughs> but I opened the car door, and what I saw, like, a thousand things went through my head. Because the steering column... But you were also very quiet. Now, I yeah. don't know any of this. Yeah. I'm just like... You're just waiting to get seat. into the passenger door. And I opened the door, and someone had taken a screwdriver went through the ignition, the, the lock on the door. They had ripped the steering column out. And we, I supplied Don Bowie with some pictures of this last night in case this came up. They ripped the steering column out. They jammed the screwdriver into the ignition. I mean, and I opened the door and I looked at this and I was like, is this my car? Like, did this happen? And Kevin's like, bro, is this your car? And I'm like, I'm like, no, this is Wilmer's car. And like, you know, what happened is somebody tried to carjack it. But in my mind, I was like, was it like that when I drove here? Like, all this stuff going through my mind. And then I'm like, oh, my God, no. Like, someone tried to steal this car. And Kevin's like, is this yours? I'm like, bro, this isn't even my car. So I had to call Ashton up. Ashton comes back. Kevin hops in Ashton's car. And Kevin goes to the party. Good job. Me and Kutcher, Kutcher and I are sitting outside of Trashy Lingerie. It's 3.30 in the morning, and the cops come, right? So the cops come, and they're looking at the paperwork for the car and they realize this is Wilmer Valderrama's oh. car. Why do you have it? Oh, oh, and I'm God. trying to explain them that I'm friends with Wilmer and blah, blah, blah. But th you know, that's not going to fly. Yeah. And luckily Ashton was just sitting picture right here. He was just sitting on the sidewalk and the cops happen to look at him and he nudges the other cop. He goes, look, he goes, what is this? A punk? And then the cops all start laughing and joking with Ashton. But meanwhile, I'm sweating because I took Wilmer's car and I didn't ask for it. So, and Wilmer was out of town. He was in New York. So the cops are all like laughing and joking with Ashton. Kevin took off. I'm sweating. Like, what am I going to do? I got to tell this dude. So it was 300 bucks to tow Wilmer's car back to his house. Oh. I had to call him in New York the next morning and go, hey, bro. Um, I took your car. I, I borrowed your car. because It he, got broken. He, he told me I could borrow it on Wednesday. He didn't tell me I could borrow it on Thursday, but I took it anyway on Thursday. <laughs> and Wilmer and I, I'll never forget this, we had like a 15-minute phone conversation, and four minutes was him yelling at me. <laughs> like, bro, why didn't you violate it? Why'd you park on the street? And then after that, after he got it out, he was like, all right, cool, bro, so I'll be home on Saturday. Let's go out. Let's, you know, let's get dinner when I get back in. And that's how cool Wilmer is. He kind of like, he got mad for a second, and I was like humbled. He expressed and he was like, himself. He and expressed then, himself, and no, he let it go. Yeah. But that's Kevin and I. That's the story. Every time we see each other, we talk about this time. <laughs> 
time. And Kevin was got, just the best. I, I, he was I gotta, just like. I got to say my. I got to say my side. I got to <laughs> say my part. Which is, right. So first of all, the, the, in hindsight, whoever did that knew what they were doing. To take it even a step further, we probably walked up on them, which is scary at the same time, right? Yeah. They knew what they were doing. That column was gone. They were in there. Who knows? Maybe maybe they heard us coming and they ran away. But I can remember you sit. I have this image in my head of you sitting in the car with your hands on the steering wheel and you're just staring straight ahead <laughs> trying to figure out, is this the right car? I don't remember the car being like this. And I'm thinking, like, eh, maybe he's embarrassed. His car's a mess. You know? <laughs> hey. Listen, my girlfriend's car looks like that. And nobody tried to steal it. <laughs> but you're just, you're like, and, then you, and then you look at me and you're like, I think somebody tried to steal the car. And I'm like, that's ah, all right, man. You know, cars get messy sometimes. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. <laughs> I just thought you had a cracked steering wheel, bro. I really, but this was a professional job. I mean, they, they were in and out of there. And then, yeah, I remember standing on the street, we're like waiting for the cops. And I'm like, I don't know if a buddy of mine like called. I just like jumped in, but I did call you later on and go, "How'd it go?" <laughs> I, I, I remember, but every time I I see that, I, I think about that. And yeah, man, that was that was fourteen years ago. Wow, pretty wild. How was that, that party, by the way? What's that? How was that party, by the way? <laughs> I was going to say, the good news is the highlight of the night was the steering wheel. Because I don't remember the <laughs> That's the that's the well, kind of stuff. I also didn't know until right now that it was Wilmer's car. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Funny, that's yeah, an awesome know, part of it. You talk about like the entourage. You talk about the entourage moment, right? Like that's what it is. Oh, hey, by the way, Wilmer. Uh, sorry, I took your car last night, and by the way, somebody tried to steal it. <laughs> yeah, they did it. That sounds like something Turtle would have done. That sounds like something Turtle would have done. Uh, Kevin Connolly, everybody, actor, director. Uh, uh, he's become a good friend too. That's that's pretty cool about yeah. all this. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do some we're gonna do some stuff together here in the next year and have a lot of fun. So appreciate you joining the show, buddy. Have a great day. Thank Go Dolphins, you so huh? Much appreciate it, guys. Let's tee it up. Good talk right. to you, Kev. All right, I'll talk to you later, guys. Thank all right, you. bye. That was amazing. <laughs> At Mr. Kevin Connolly on Twitter, Instagram, hit him up. Uh, doing some fun things over at Action Park Media. Um, yeah, they got a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, there. they do. And uh, we've been, him and I have been doing some stuff over the last month and a half. Um, besides golf? Besides golf. Okay. Uh, more in the uh, the enter- entertainment uh, side of things. Something to come, kind of maybe in the podcast side. Um I had this idea to do something around the word bust because yeah, it's, you mentioned that. Yes. it's something what that sits there and, uh, and uh, you know, telling my story. And I feel like when – look at it this way. I can call myself a bust all day long. If you want to call me it, fine. I'm going to take the, the power out of that thing all day long. But, uh, you know, I'm going to use it to help people – and to tell my story, and Kevin really kind of, you know, latched onto that. So we're gonna do some we're gonna do some fun things here in the next year. So thanks to him again for coming on the show. That's a great story. <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, we it wasn't great another, in the we, moment, we got, bro. Yeah, it was not a, great in the moment. <laughs> we got a twenty. What is it? Twenty. Nineteen ninety four. What's what's nineteen ninety four? So twenty seven years ago. So we have a twenty seven year old story Oof. that we started to get into in hour one. About Dwayne Johnson, oh, come on, the Miami Hurricanes. We're going to get to that when we come back. Uh, 
and, and, and talk a little bit about the, the big NFL trades. Call us at 844-204-RICH. And we'll get to your calls as soon as we can. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am... Ryan Leaf. I was about to say I am Rich Eisen. Uh, <laughs> a little bit yeah, taller. A little bit taller. Way uh, more hair. A little more hair. Better um, arm. Not as sure. successful, I guess, the way to put it. Better bigger, arm. Bigger arm. Bigger arm. Thank you. Bigger arm. Thank you. Speaking about bigger arm, uh, 27 years ago, little old Ryan Leaf from Great Falls, Montana, uh, because he played basketball, couldn't go on the normal recruiting trips on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. because I had basketball games. Went on recruit trips Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So I wasn't, I didn't get to go when there's football games. Um, right. It was much different, you know. You, especially when I went to Colorado State on my recruiting trip. You go to Fort Collins, Colorado on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I mean, you're going to really figure out what it would be like to be a student <laughs> at, at at Fort Collins. But you know, you go to South Beach, it doesn't matter. Defending national champions, Dennis Erickson, who has Montana ties. He married a a Great Falls gal wow um he um one of his coaches dave arnold was the head coach of the montana state bobcats national championship team in 1984 so it's a team i watched play my dad was a montana state bobcat so there was ties there and that that's how they must have found found me now i got recruited by most teams in the country but i mean you know it wasn't florida state it wasn't florida miami national champions came a calling so i jumped on a plane sunday Flew down, and when I got there, 
you know, we went through the spiel, right? They take you out to they take you out to Joe Stone Crab. Yeah. And I've never never had never had Stone Crab in my life. And I just I looked at the amount of money that was spent in recruiting. I, mean, I can't imagine what the bill was that night for all us. Steven Alexander was uh, the tight end that would go on and play for the Washington football team uh, at Oklahoma. He was my roommate. And uh, he must have been playing basketball, too, because he was on the same type of trip for me. And uh, and so we went through the whole process and went out, had this unbelievable dinner. You know, they, you know, showing us what what South Beach is, Coral, you know, Coral Gables and is that Coral Gables, right? Is that that's, that's Coral Gables? Yep. Yeah. That's you, and uh, seeing it all. And then when the dinner was over and the coaches said, all right, see you later. They hand you to your host. My host was Bryce Erickson, Dennis's son, who was a walk on quarterback uh, on the Miami Hurricanes team. And so away we go. Now, I had never sipped uh, uh, a, a, a sip of alcohol yet to this point. I'm 17 years old. Okay. All right. I have, you know, been very sheltered in my... Uh, and also, I just... I, I viewed people that did drink in my hometown in particularly as morally corrupt. And so, I, you know, I'd show up to parties in high school with a six-pack of 7-Up and, and think, like, I'm just so much better than all of <laughs> well, you. are the big-time athlete. Just looking down on them. Fall into it what It wasn't so much do. that. It was that, I, you know, for being the, the, the jock and the, the you know, the, the athlete, I was not popular. You know, I'm not, I, I kind of wasn't asked because I just, I was so darn competitive and it rubbed people the wrong way and people wanted more of an introvert and not an extrovert in that small town of Great Falls. And I, and I, you know, I've pushed people. And so anytime you're wronged by a girl when you're a young age too, and it was the kind of the rich kid side of the the river in in my town, you know, you you hold those resentments and you kind of definitely, you know, I I said some terrible things. I almost thought about doing a bit with you today, Chris, about like, Hey, why don't you interview me as Ryan in 1998 and see how that goes. And that would be, I thought it would be kind of a fun. Uh, and that's how I was in high school too. Like, uh, I'd show up to parties with the six pack of seven up and say, you know, you guys are you guys are the losers here. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be out of this town. You're gonna be pumping my gas type yeah, of mentality, right. right? You were that guy. I was that guy, and uh, it, it falls it, in my rear view. Yeah, and it and that was my thought process. I, and it, it to to get out of that hometown, I think I had to kind of be that way. Kind of, yeah. Only first round draft pick out of Montana ever. So I must have done something right. Sure. Should have treated people better. That's the difference in all of this, right? Okay. End up in Miami, fish out of water. I asked, you know, Bryce asked me, where, where do you want to go? And I'm like, take me to the CD, the CD, the music store. You know, it had to have been a... Uh, Sam Goody? Or like something Sam like Goody. that. Sam because Goody guess what? Because... Sam Goody. You know, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of, I'm throwing a lot of <laughs> family members under the bus today. Uh, Marsha Leaf, my mother, if it had, you know, censored explicit whatever on the label oh, like so it. dr dre's yeah. the chronic just came out oh, yeah. <laughs> and boy was i i, I was <laughs> like i'm there uh I, I i or had just come out that summer and i had i found a way to get it and my mom found it for the first time and she i remember she comes walking into my bedroom like shaking it at me going who is this dr dre <laughs> <laughs> And I go, it's the, it's the mom, it's the it's the best rap album that will ever be. I'm just putting that out there right now. So I couldn't, I, I there's no way I could get uh, doggy style. I couldn't get Snoop Dogg. Oh, oh, so we get down to Miami, and they take me to Sam Goody or whatever the CD store. Probably doesn't even come out in Montana for like months uh, later, you know. And I bought I bought Snoop's album. Oh. And I remember the first time I met Snoop here in L.A. I told him that story, and he just kind of looked at me, and I'm like. 
Yes, in Montana, where everybody was white, uh, <laughs> loved your music no matter what. It's universal. You know, yeah. it's universal. And he was just so taken aback by that. Um, but it was it was true. So I got that, and then I bought Pearl Jam's... Uh, uh, Alive? No, I bought their J- Jeremy album, I think. Or that was on Alive, wasn't it? I can't remember. Yeah. But I bought, I bought Pearl Pearl's Jam's Jeremy. other uh, album. So those are the two things I bought. Oh. And then, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't expect <laughs> us to go out. You know, I wasn't going to really party or anything like that. But he takes me to Dan Marino's Bar and Grill. And he orders me up a... Uh, Bacardi and Coke. So rum and Coke is what I was, was the first drink I'd ever had. And, and I take a drink. And of course, you know, I was six foot five, 165 pounds at the Ooh. time. Um, felt it right away. Right. <laughs> and, uh, inhibition's gone and then i was like i like this (laughs) i like how this makes me feel and so i started talking to girls but i mean i'm i am so out of fish out of water right i have these cutoff jeans on and jean shorts and a flannel shirt in south beach right i mean i couldn't be more out of place yeah i was that's why i picked the pearl jam right i was the grunge look and you were jeremy um and then he says, "All right, so uh, we're, you want to go to this club with some other some other of my teammates?" I'm like, "Yeah." Well, a, a limo pulls up, and so I step into the back, and there is now I don't know this at the time, of course, right? But there, it's it's one of one of them's Bob Marley's nephew, who was the linebacker, <laughs> Rohan. Rohan Marley, his son. Yeah. Ro- Rose's son. That was his son. Yeah, Rohan is Bob Marley. I thought it was his nephew. For years, I've told him the story that it was his nephew. No, it's his son. Bob Marley's son is there. Uh, Warren Sapp. Of course, we don't know who Warren is. He's just the starting defensive tackle. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and, and a couple, bunch of other guys. Uh, Ryan Costa, uh, a quarterback. Or Frank Costa, the quarterback. Costa. Ryan Collins, the quarterback. Um, but in one of the transitions in cars and everything like that, uh, a guy named Dwayne Johnson, backup defensive tackle. Don't even think about it ever again for years and years and years and years and years until I saw the U on 30 for 30. Mm-hmm. Oh, love that. Dad. And then I was like, because he looks completely different than what he did. He was so much, you know, yeah, thick mass. Was, yeah, yeah, he was so a thick boy. And I said, that, yeah. dude, that was the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's a story, you know, all three of us, nobodies at the time. Now, they were national champions, so I guess they were somebodies, but I was this punk kid from Great Falls, Montana on a recruiting trip, and now the biggest movie star in the world is, is, is a, a part of my story of my recruiting trip to Miami. Now, <laughs> to finish it all out, uh, I threw up for the first time the next morning. <laughs> of course you did. Of course. Um, Eric Price who was Mike Price's son, was a GA down there. Mike Price was my head coach at Washington mm-hmm. State, ultimately. Eric was the GA for Dennis Erickson there. And instead of going to any of like, the academic things all day because I was so hungover, um, I just slept in Eric Price's office. And for whatever reason, clearly that wasn't like a, a huge red flag to send to his dad say, like, don't recruit this guy. He slept in my office the whole day. <laughs> But I ended up going to Washington State. Dennis Erickson was great. He walked right up to me at the exit interview and said, how was your time here? I want to be honest with you. You know, I'm going to look for some other things if an NFL job does come open. And sure enough, he took the Seattle Seahawks job a year later. Yeah, that's right. And he also told me the recruiting coordinator was, was really interested 
in me as more of a linebacker, tight end type, mostly tight end. Wow. And I thought that was incredibly honest of him, you know, not to just get me on campus. They recruit. They ended up recruiting two quarterbacks, a kid named, a kid named Ryan Clement out of Denver and Scott Covington, who would play in the NFL for a little bit for the Bengals, I oh, think. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah. they, were, they were never any good at, 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 in Miami, really. The, the, the teams weren't. I made the decision after that uh, to go to Washington State, and the rest, as we know, is, is history. That is Jeez. the recruiting trip to the University <laughs> that of Miami. <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> it's fun to come on the show and talk about this yeah. stuff. It really Rohan, is. We love it. Rohan, Sap, Rocky, and you. That's great. It wasn't just us four. I mean, it was about three co- different cars, and everybody kept transitioning the, the whole night. But I remember at that one point that, that uh, Dewey, Dwayne, as they called him, yeah. Yeah, Dwayne got in the. That is. Wow. I don't know if I said anything, but. Yeah, I mean, you're just like shocked. I would be surprised. I would love to ask him that question. Do you remember the skinny, just weirdo Nirvana looking guy getting in the car with you in 1994? We cut off George in the flannel. And thinking that kid, that kid better not be my, my quarterback next yeah. year. Yeah, right. Hey, Rock, do you, hey, Rock, if you remember, tweet us. Let us know if you remember hanging out with Ryan Leaf back in the, in the mid 90s. Please, please say you do. Um, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll answer some of your calls. We'll talk about the big draft or the big draft uh, trades. Eight four four two zero four. Rich, you're listening to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich Eisen. We'll be right back. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Another little promotion here at Peacock TV. The Amber Ruffin Show. Each week, writer and comedian Amber Ruffin responds to the news of the day in a way that only she can. Catch new episodes of the Amber Ruffin Show every Friday, streaming exclusively on Peacock. Sign up at PeacockTV.com to stream now. So, uh, big stories of the day. Big the, stories. The man. trades, right? Trades. 
Huge trades. Blockbusters. Huge. We're breaking news here on uh, the Rich Eisen Show. NFL draft trades, all pick-related. You know, I think they probably thought, you know, Leafs hosting Rich Eisen today. <laughs> let's let's throw him a bone. Let's give him something to talk about. Let's give him something to talk about. <laughs> Zach, Zach Wilson having a, having a heck of a pro day. Yep. Um, Jeff Schwartz, our buddy, <laughs> tweeted out something today. Hey, let me just tell you right now what it's going to look like uh, before the Zach Wilson pro day goes. Hey, man, sure look like uh, Patrick Mahomes in a uh, uh, mix of Aaron Rodgers there. <laughs> Boy, he was certainly accurate. 67 to 68 today. Did you see him fire that 78-yard bomb? And he did have one of those. He had like a rolling to no, his left, throw back across the field to the right, right on the money. Hey, you know, you, you show your goods, you know? Yeah, he's got a big-time arm. That's what it's there for, right? You did know? you have a pro day? Did I? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, I had, a, I had one April 1st. Ironically... Uh, I think it was April first. It was the first of April. Um, that would be April first. But but I mean like it may have been the fourth. I can't. <laughs> I think it's. I can't remember. I don't think it was April Fool's Day. But like everybody was there. Marty Schottenheimer, uh, who just recently passed, he wrote me the un- most unbelievable letter after my rookie year in the NFL. Too uh, Marty Schottenheimer did. Um, Rest in peace. But June Jones, I mean, every team was there, right, to to watch the workout and what Mike Price did differently and what we see a lot of teams do now mm-hmm. is they bring out the wide receivers that were on your team the one you have relationships with not just and they put and coach price put them in their game jerseys so everybody saw their names and their numbers so when they're watching the film of me and they're seeing guys make plays on the film now they're seeing them in action and i swear we did that you know i went coach had a whole platform laid out we ran out and threw you know 50 some balls and i i don't remember a ball hitting the ground uh schottenheimer told the story uh, that it was the best pro day workout he'd seen since Troy Aikman. Wow. And that just filled me with confidence. Talked to June Jones. Bobby Beathard came up a few weeks later. Uh, I remember my, my roommate's girlfriend was like trying to watch uh, Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> when Bobby Beathard wants to sit down in the living room and have a talk about this. <laughs> and I look at her and I look at my roommate Dave and I'm like, Get her ass out of here. <laughs> this is the general manager for the San Diego Chargers. The Peter Hall of Famer. Have to wait. Hall Can we just, now. you know, go watch, you know, go watch, you know, Brendan and uh you know, Dylan and all of everybody somewhere else. So that's how it started, but it was a it was a good day. I remember I I got the new white Nikes. You know, I thought about I thought about the Kurt Russell movie and Robin Williams movie when uh Reno Hightower steps out in the. He's wearing the white shoes. <laughs> Look at the white shoes. Yeah, that was that was it for me. So I had these white Nikes on. Tommy Hilfiger had just given me some new gear, so I threw on the Tommy Hilfiger athletic top. Yeah, you did. To throw in, um, you know, I, I I guess I was thinking about that stuff. wasn't wasn't thinking about just executing. But I had a really good day. I weighed two hundred and forty one pounds after weighing two sixty eight at the combine. So I was impressed with that. Um, you know, was ready to roll. Uh, made it very uh, evident that day I was going to be the first or second guy picked in the NFL draft after my pro day. Yep. But it was exactly that. You know, it wasn't indoors like most of these guys do their workouts. It was outdoors. It was in spring in Pullman, so it was windy and yep. you know, and, and all of that. But it was a good day. It was a really good day. And also, it got a couple of my guys, Chris Jackson, I believe, and Sean McWashington and Kevin McKenzie, all free agent shots at the NFL. I think I, I really do believe it. It just gave them a little more exposure, and I was so happy to do that because they made me who I was in college. I mean, they were – we called them the Fab Five. Uh, there were five of them, and I don't know how many times a game we went, we went empty. 
two of them had 10-plus touchdown uh, in the season. Uh, they were special. Still, you know, still rock with them to this day. Uh, Chris Jackson's now a, a wide receivers coach for the Chicago Bears with Matt Nagy and Allen Robinson and all those guys out there. So he's continued in that format. Uh, K-Max, uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach in Denver. Sean McWashington, I don't know. He's up in Seattle selling insurance or something like that. ST, Sean Timms, he's, uh, he works for AT&T in, uh, in the Silicon Valley and coaches uh, junior college football, I think. All good guys. Nyan, he was a young underclassman. Uh, I don't know where the heck Nyan is. He's running around doing something. He was always a character. But that that was a crew. Yeah, talk about making you, like we said the other day, you led the nation in passing in 1997. Nearly 4,000 yards. I, I wonder, when somebody right? told me that. Okay, so, so I this is, hey, what a platformer, right? So, you know, I don't, norm, I don't like to toot my own horn, but there is something that, that sits out there that I just – you know, they announced like the top 16 teams in the last 30 years in the Pac-12 and Washington State from 1997 wasn't a part of it. Um, one of the coolest things that exists, and I see it start to happen each and every year, is the College Football Hall of Fame. I didn't believe I was even eligible for it. I didn't know I was a first-team All-American. You have to be a first-team All-American by uh, a big publication to be a part of the College Football, play- or college football Hall of Fame. And all of a sudden, the uh, sports information director called me last summer and said, Washington State, uh, we're going to nominate you for the College Football Hall of Fame. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. And I said, is that possible? Or are you just going to do it and just be like, hey? You know? <laughs> Apparently, I was the first-team All-American in a year that Peyton Manning was a quarterback in the NCAA. Did not know that. Again, another something new. The Sporting News had me as a first-team All-American. What an honor. Sammy Baugh gave me the quarterback of the year award during that time. So knowing that I'm eligible for it, now there was a morality, there's a morality clause in the College Football Hall of Fame. It's not a clause, but it just, you know, says has to be of good moral fiber. And I got inducted to the Washington State Hall of Fame a year ago. And during my acceptance speech, I said, I think for, you know, for years and years and years, we all know the player deserved to be here but the man didn't live up to it and that makes sense and so when I was inducted it made it that more special because they were really inducting the man now football players are great there are great football players all over the world but to be honored because you've become a a good person, that was special. Don't get me wrong. I'm still incredibly flawed. I mess up all the time. The difference is that I just get myself back up because what's, what, what's the alternative? We pack it in. We call it quits. Yeah, yeah can't do that. We don't, we don't do that. Every life is, pre- is, is precious, and I want to be a beacon for those who struggle and the fact that Rich Eisen – all of you guys here give me the platform and the opportunity to be here, uh, to continue that. I showed this in the first hour. This is, this is the proudest achievement of my life. I played in the NFL. I was drafted second overall. I'm a Hall of Famer, all of these things. I'll be nine years sober next Thursday, God willing, over the next six days. I'll do the same thing. And it is the proudest achievement of my life. 
Seconds closely followed by being a father uh, to this amazing child. It's the best thing I'll, I'll, I'll ever do. But um, again, to uh, everybody out there who's listening, who's been a part of this week when I've been on the air or in the past, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I live in a ton of gratitude. Sometimes I take it for granted, and I'm glad I am shown the mirror uh, when I do. I think that's very appropriate uh, that we're shown the mirror and how we act sometimes when good things happen. And, and, and people during the pandemic have taken it as a negative. And when I talked to you guys before about choices and what you get to do when you are presented a choice on being happy or, or making the next right choice during the pandemic, didn't get to work. Got to spend more time with my family. Got to focus on my mental health, my physical health, the way I eat. It's changed me the way I think, and it's helped for the better. So anybody out there who's going through anything, as I've always talked about, reach out to somebody you trust. Reach out to me if you need to. I'm here to listen. I'm always going to be here for you. To all our radio listeners out there, thank you for being a part of it. Our Peacock viewers, stick around. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee.